Hey everybody, welcome back to Teachers Talkin'. This is episode six, The Heart of Education, Building Lasting Connections in Your Classroom. I am Dustin here with my co-host Ghazali, and we are extremely excited once again to bring on our second guest onto our podcast. This is Kip Morales. And so we are going to really focus today on how to um, how to be intentional or how do intentional efforts help to build relationships and community within the classroom and the school in order to contribute to a positive and effective learning environment. So before we jump in, Kip, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where do you teach your school, your location? What's your background in education like? Okay. Hey, uh, Dustin Ghazali um, and anyone listening. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so I'm Kip um, Morales. I teach in Los Angeles in inner city schools um, in a charter school where uh, most of my students are, I'd probably say 99% are Latinx. Um, and, but I've been teaching for a long time. So uh, I teach English, English, uh, uh, sometimes I teach martial arts too, self-defense, uh, help the kids, uh, be able to navigate the streets, uh, competently. Um, yeah, so I've been teaching for a long time. I've taught in different a- aspects. I've taught in three prisons. I've taught in businessmen and women in Japan. I've taught, uh, in New Mexico on, Native American reservations, indigenous people's reservations. I mean, do we even call them reservations anymore? That's pretty bad, huh? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, and then uh, inner city schools. So I've taught in LUSD, um, and now I'm at Alliance, uh, the Alliance Charter Network in Los Angeles. What oh, more? Wow, <laughs> you, you've been you've been around, Chip. You've been to many places. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, yeah, I've been a long time. I used to teach tennis. That's where I started. And then uh-huh. I moved into all sorts of other things. And then I finally went to uh into secondary school. Ah, okay. So uh building a positive culture and community in the educational environment is crucial. We we all know that, you know, because it enhances learning. Uh, emotional well-being, increased motivation. But I think we want to hear from you. Um, why is building a positive culture and community crucial in the educational environment in your perspective? Mm, well, it's the base. I mean, if you don't have the positivity, you don't you, you you don't have learning. I mean, okay, so let me let me get a little more technical. It's it's all about brain science, right? It's all about chemicals. And um, if students aren't releasing the, the correct chemicals, they're not going to be inspired. They're going to be shutting down. They're going to be uh, they're going to be going into their uh, what's called the lizard brain. And no, very little learning, if any, is going to go on, especially if they're constantly worried about anything. Uh, if, if trauma is triggered, if they're feeling like they're in an unsafe environment, um, you know, basically very little learning is going to happen. So it's all about brain chemicals in the beginning um, and just making sure those happy brain chemicals like serotonin. Uh, um, oh, man, <laughs> there's a there's like at least five of them um, are, are, are being released and allowing the synapses to open up 
in the brain and allowing uh, allowing processes to be able to happen as opposed to just cortisol, which would just shut them down. And the only way they can get rid of cortisol supposedly is crying, peeing, or sweating. And we don't really have a lot of that in the classroom. I guess we could probably have them all do jumping jacks or something, but try to release it. But yeah, so we're trying to keep their brain uh, ready to learn that. So it's, it's basically the base. If you don't have that, uh, it's going to be really challenging for a student to learn. Yeah. It's like thinking about having, like when you think about like Maslow, right. And having like creating that, that base level of safety and security, care, respect, like without it, learning simply can't happen. So yeah. um, what would you say, Kip, are some of the key strategies that you use to create that positive and inclusive classroom culture that helps to foster those strong relationships that you have? Okay. Uh, well, there's so many, but I'm just going <laughs> to kind of try to limit it to five if I can. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I had a little cold. I'm okay now. Um. <laughs> Yeah, the, the very, very first thing is if you want to help somebody change, whether it's changing their behavior or changing their changing their skill set or changing their life, uh, you have to first start out with the environment. So I kind of go, I veer a little bit away from standard environment for schools. Um, basically, you, you need to change the environment. The classroom needs to look welcoming. The classroom mm -hmm. needs to feel when they walk in, they got to feel like this is a place I want to be at. Mm -hmm. So I, I know like, you know, my, my school is like really on to word walls and, and that's great. But if you just plaster your walls with a bunch of information, that's not going to be very welcoming. Um, and so, you know, I have a rocking chair in my room, you know, for my calm corner students need to just go take a break. Um, I have paintings in my room. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, and so when they walk in, and then and then my, my and then I certainly don't have graveyard rows, right? Where you know uh, I I have them in in when they come, they sit in a team of team of four to five uh, other students facing each other. Um, and then I try to make sure that no one's back is towards me, at least where my position would normally be in the classroom when I when I'm there. So I, I want them to walk into an environment where they feel not only safe, but they feel they they can they feel like they can be creative. That's the first one. So how do you use that? <laughs> I was like, so how do you use that to help you? to help you build the relationships then? Cause I love the way that you have such a, a welcoming environment as like step one. So then how do you transition from just like that welcoming environment to actually making kids feel safe with you and building those relationships together? I love that. Making kids feel, feel safe with you. Okay. So next one is really a Tai Chi Chuan theory. Um, energy first. What energy are you bringing into the classroom? The teacher, you know, that that's, that's critical, right? You have to bring in a very calm, soft, empowered energy. And then they can, then they could possibly trust you. 
the, the whole point is like, can students trust you? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's like, that's critical. And, and you can't just say, trust me. Right. And so are you, are you bringing in some, are you bringing in some good energy? Are you dropping all your, all your problems at the door before you walk into your classroom? And are you ready for the students? They need to be able to have trust to be able to learn. They can't, they can't be like scared that you're going to, you know, start using sarcasm at them or you start or, or, or just calling them out. You know, you have to bring in energy. So you have to do something. You have to work out. You have to, I don't know what you have to do, but you have to bring in this energy. And that, and that's like something really critical. My, my students, like they're, they're like, why don't you ever get angry? You know, I, I never see you angry. This is like really weird. And I, I'm like, well, can you trust an angry teacher? I don't think mm-hmm. you can. And so very first thing is environment. Second is what you bring into the classroom. And that's critical. And if you find yourself in the classroom starting to feel a little angry or starting to feel a little down or whatever it is, you just need to stop what you're doing. Even if you're even if you have to stop the whole class. And you need to sit down. You just need to you need to readjust and 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 gain that energy back and just change your mindset. So that's number two. We talked a little bit about that in our last episode, right, Gonzali, about being truthful. Like we talked a bit about like when you're not having a great day, like being honest with your students and straightforward and like just letting them know right away so that you can break down that kind of barrier. Um, and you know, I had a leader who once used to say, we create our own weather and it's exactly what you're saying, Kip, like it's all about Mm -hmm. like the energy that you bring in, you can control. And even though some, like we have our own baggage too, and we do our best to check it at the door. And sometimes we can, and sometimes we can't because we're just humans as well. So when we can, we should, so that the kids can feel our positive energy. And when we can't, being straightforward with the kids as well. And I love that you said taking a moment, like if you feel like you're getting frustrated or whatever, being able to take a moment to yourself, get away, like let that, that's just such a, such a powerful way of like recentering to, to keep that energy positive. Calm down, get your center back and, you know, teach uh, in a positive environment. Yeah. So um, that was very interesting about building the, the the culture in the classroom. Um, and I also noticed uh, as we are getting older, the age gap between us and our students get bigger. So what, what tips can you give to help us connect with students on a personal level? So how do you make an effort to understand and connect with each student on a personal level? And, and why is this even important? Well, stay young. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I wish we could stay young. My students keep me young anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so on, on a personal level, um, so I guess my my third rule that I just kind of created because, yeah, no, it's, it's actually a rule for me. Positive pedagogy. That's what I call it. it you know, deal with everything positively. So, for example, if, if a student is is distracting the class or a student is attacking you personally or whatever it is, um, instead of go negative, go positive. So if you look at the situation negatively, you're right. 
sure they're attacking you or they're messing up the class or messing up other people and they're messing up themselves. Or if you look at a positive, you're right. As in, okay, this is a behavior that's requesting help, requesting you to come and help them. This is how they express themselves to try to get help. You know, if they throw something across the class or if they make a loud noise or if they make an inappropriate joke, they're asking for your help. And so you're right there too. So why choose the negative instead of choosing the positive? So, you know, when something like that happens, uh, if the peers aren't uh, helping to, if the peers aren't helping them at that moment, I go over and help them. And I go over and I'm like, yeah, okay. So I, I noticed you called me. How can I help you? And called me. What do you mean? What do you mean? You know, I didn't call you. I'm like, yeah, sure. You made that really weird bird noise. And that called me over. I mean, you got to know that that's going to call a teacher over, right? Okay. So how can I help you? What can I do? Or, or I might have them step outside the class and I'll be half in the class, half out the class. And I'm like, and they think they're in trouble. And I go, okay, man, hey, is everything okay today? I just know you keep making these noises and me, I, I think maybe something's going on. Let me, let me know what, what's going on. And they'll be like, no, nothing. It's like, well, dude, I, I mean, you're calling me over. So something must be going on. So how can I help you? What can I do for you? Uh-huh. You know? And, uh, and so that right there, really, they start to, again, they start to trust you. They keep trusting you. They see that you're there as a support, as opposed to as an authority or as a disciplinarian. And so that, that, that's one part of positive pedagogy. But positive pedagogy is really just trying to maintain the positivity to go all the way back to what we talked about before, to maintain the happy brain chemicals uh, flowing and to allow the, the, the synapses to allow to share information inside your brain. So that's one way. And that kind of moves into, I don't know. Did I ask? I think I answered your question, but yeah. Okay, we'll go to number four. We'll go to number four. I'm not sure how much time we have, but uh, yeah. So number four is, what's that? We have all the time we need. Uh, okay, because you always edit this thing. Yeah, that's cool. All right, so good. Edit my coughs. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, number four, I guess, would be a decentralized classroom. And I don't even hear that anymore. It used to be like a big a big uh, common uh, pedagogy that was out there. And I don't hear it at all anymore. So it's kind of weird. So anyway, decentralized approach. This is, this is kind of like the cream of the crop for me. So I have students in different roles in the classroom. Uh, and, and it really depends on what, what it does. It sort of depends on what level you're teaching about how much you can do this. Like, for example, my ninth graders, I, you know, um, last year and then this year last year they they put me they gave me ninth graders as well as uh, 10th graders but ninth graders are a whole different breed of human (laughs) (laughs) you know but when I taught in middle school you know I could do this when I taught uh, as I teach in high school I can do this what I'm about to tell you the decentralized approach Uh, but ninth graders is just I, I can do it but I have to do it in gradual steps and and uh, sometimes they're they're not just not ready for roles. So what what I'm talking about is basically I have my students call me coach. Uh, everyone calls me coach now. I don't know why, but I just want my students to call me coach. And coach uh, is to allow them to know that 
to, to remind them, make them feel weird. Why am I calling the teacher coach? Um, to make them feel weird, to make them feel like to weird and that it will be a trigger to make them remember what their role in the class is. What their role in the class is, they are the teachers. I'm the coach. I'm the mentor. I'm walking out. I'm support. I'm in a supporting role. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, when they get to that zone of proximal development, another term I never hear anymore, uh, where they just can't go further, then I will jump in and I will help. But basically, they are the teachers in the classroom. And so therefore, they're going to have roles of being a teacher in the classroom. So one of my roles, one of the roles is, is um, every team has a facilitator. Um, but sometimes the teams, I, I change the teams and the facilitator is a writing coach or a reading coach. Uh, so students kind of earn that, earn that um, position. But basically, let's just talk facilitator. So every group has a facilitator and the facilitator is in charge of facilitating the learning and facilitating discussion and and basically basically helping the students of uh, their team members and themselves teach each other um and then also and then also I have what are called ambassadors so I have two ambassadors in my classroom also and the ambassadors are the ones who start the class I don't start the class they start the class you know, once uh, once they're done with what we call the do now, um, which is a, a short assignment in the very beginning while I'm taking a role and everything, um, the ambassadors step up. They have students read the objective, read the standard, uh, and go through a, start going through the agenda. But basically, they start the class, and then and then and then usually activities are guided by the facilitators. So I'm, I'm free. I'm, I'm like walking around trying to help, trying to have them call me to, to, so I can participate. So they have to call me. I, they, they, they get hungry and then they ask questions. If they're asking me questions, then they're ready for learning. If they want me to teach them a mini lesson, they're ready for learning as opposed to me trying to push it. So mm -hmm. I'm in a supportive role. And so they don't kind of look at me as the, the, the authority really in the classroom are the facilitators and the ambassadors. And even, even, even when a, a student is sort of, you know, putting their head down or whatever, I go to the facilitator. I don't go to that, that student unless the facilitator is it's not working. The peer is not working. Then I step in. So it's a decentralized approach. Um, that's it in a nutshell. There's quite a bit of elements to it. Can you tell us, but can you tell, I love your approach. Um, and you, I know you've used this approach for a long time, but can you tell us a little bit about how you work with your students, like early in the year to develop those roles? Like, how do you teach students to begin class um, instead of you? Like, how do you teach students to be those facilitators and to take that leadership role um, so that you can be the support. Like, how do you, how do you go about actually like building that up in the students? Yeah. So, so it, it really depends on the students. <clears throat> so for example, when I was teaching at LUSD, when there was like, it was that Santee education complex and they're, I don't know, the students are on a rotation basis. There are about 6,000 students at that, at that school on a rotation basis. 
and you don't you step in the hallways you you can't tell who is what and where is where is who and then when they walk into the classroom uh you know they these students when they would walk to school or come to school they'd probably have to go there's probably around 50 different gangs around that area um and so they're dealing with a lot of that stuff but but also so with them right from the very beginning i would say sit where you want to sit sit with your friends but mainly sit with with somebody who you think is going to support you and help you right and then right this is one approach this is not the approach this is one approach it really depends on the students you're you're with and I'm like, okay, now everyone point at somebody that in your group, point at somebody that you're willing to take orders from that. If that person says jump, you're going to jump. If that person says quiet, you're going to be quiet and, 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 and you're going to be thankful for that. So they all point at somebody. I'm like, congratulations, you've just been elected the facilitator. And, and so basically this is the person that's going to help you to learn. And this is the person that you're going to listen to. And when you're like going off on something and they tell you to be quiet, you're going to be quiet. Or if they ask you to talk, you're going to talk. And so basically it just right there. We already, we already set it up. Now, are they the best people? Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Um, but you're the support for those facilitators. Um, ambassadors, I take a little bit of time to choose who the ambassadors are going to be because it's, it's, a, it's a role where you have to stand up in front of the whole class. But in the back of in my back wall, I have a, uh, I have a uh, on, on my back wall, I have basically steps of starting the class. So all the ambassadors have to do, they step up. All they have to do is look at the step, and it says, like for example, it says uh, get everyone's attention, and so they have to get everyone's attention. And then it says, you know, welcome them. So say good morning, whatever, right? And then step number three is um, have somebody read the standard. And then have somebody read the objective. And so, so basically they just look at that back wall. They know exactly what to do. Um, and then I'm there, I'm there for support. Um, I'm, I'm there to, I, I'll model it. Obviously you have to model it in the beginning. Um, and then as they kind of struggle, if they struggle, I'm like, Hey, you know, you weren't born an ambassador. So don't worry about it. You're learning as you go. You know, this is great. Just standing up there is amazing. I mean, so constantly giving this praise, right? The five to one thing, you know, five positive uh, comments to one negative comment is 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 very important. And so instead of like making fun of them because they can't do it, you like you like congratulate them. So <clears throat> to start this off, oftentimes now some teachers, you know, if you're new, uh, maybe that might be a little too daunting to have students sit, choose their choose their chairs, you know. Mm -hmm you know they're going to sit with some people that probably aren't the right people to sit with and so you could instead um you could instead like you know have alpha teams where they all sit in alphabetical orders on the pain you know and eventually start moving students based on what you've experienced and trying to find leaders you can do that too so i don't know i mean for me i i started this when i was teaching on the navajo reservation um and I, I learned, I, I found out that um, when, when I tried to get parents to help, they were apathetic. They didn't want this. They didn't want my students leaving the reservation. They didn't want them going to college. Um, a, a lot of them didn't. And so trying to, trying to get students to be motivated, there was so much apathy in the students and, 
and then in their parents towards education. And so I had to come up with something that was going to motivate the students. And so I basically had the students motivate the students. And that's the, the system right here. And so, so instead of the students just doing something for themselves or doing something for this, this other person, this facilitator that they care about. So that's how it started. Yeah. Do you give, um, like for your facilitators, since you're like ambassadors have sort of that step-by-step -step checklist that you hang up on the back wall, do you do anything yeah. like that for your facilitators? Like, do you give them like sentence stems or question stems or anything like that to help them like facilitate their group conversations? Yeah, I'll have an, an I have another list on the wall that uh, basically different types of strategies that they can use, like, for example, in discussion and stuff like that, like write first, discuss later. So have your students, all, you know, tell your students to take 30 seconds to answer the question or a minute to answer the question. And then and then maybe a first person, last person where, OK, the you're going to share out first being the facilitator. You know, you're going to share out first and the person to your left is going to say something something that they liked about your uh, thing and and possibly possibly a, a rose and a thorn i don't like that thorn thing but the rose and a thorn sort of thing um and then and then they're going to share out and so then it goes all the way around and then once it goes all the way around it gets back to you you the the facilitator is going to give some sort of positive and maybe maybe a question like or something like you know uh, a thorn and then you enter into discussion, then then you come to a consensus on the answer, and so yeah, I give them, uh, you know, I have different strategies that they can choose from, or actually ask the facilitators to use those strategies, uh, like first person, last person. I don't know if that awesome, awesome, yeah. Um, Ghazali, before you jump into your next question, I wanted to tell a little story. So this kind of brings everything that Kip's talking about full circle. So when we were together in Los Angeles. Um, I was an assistant principal and Kip was out for the day. And there was a point in time where like all of a sudden, sudden these like two students come down to the administrative offices and they said, um, we've been in class for 45 minutes. We were on a block schedule. So we were, what do we have? Like 90 minute classes, Kip, something like that. A little bit more. Yeah. A little yeah. bit longer. And, um, and they said, it's been 45 minutes and we don't have a teacher. And we were like, What? So my principal and I go running up to this classroom because we had had been doing like, you know, we we're a small school. So we would pick up when teachers were out, we would pick up and we would sub. Well, somebody just simply forgot that they were subbing that period. So we run up there and we go into the classroom and you would think that there would be chaos, but there wasn't. All the students were doing exactly what they should be doing. And there was students at the front leading the group and all the kids were doing their work. And they were, and we were like, what's going on? And the kids were like, yeah, like we, we only really wanted to let you know, we didn't have a teacher in here. We thought we should let you know, but you know, we're fine without a, without a teacher. Like we, we've got this. And it was because of this decentralized model that he uses where class started they were just like, oh, Mr. Morales, Coach Morales isn't here right now. We're just going to jump in and get started. Like, we know what to do. So his ambassadors started class. They went over the do now. They went over the standard and the objective. They told the kids what was, you know, how to move into their work time. And then the facilitators picked it up and started leading their teams. And so they were just 
working, working, working. And then at some point in time, somebody looked at the clock and realized there was still no adult in the classroom and thought they should let somebody know that there was no adult in the classroom. But they were so self-sufficient, you would have never known. They could have gone that entire period with no adult in the room and, and you would have never, ever known that 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 was going on. Like that is the level of community that he established in, in his classroom. And so I, I love to share that story because no, one, it's like for a while we were like, should we tell people about this? Like <laughs> that's kind of against policy, but that was many years ago now. And it just goes Amazing. to show how building that strong community, that strong culture in a classroom can go such a long way. Yeah. When yeah, I, when I talked to the, yeah, when I talked to the students when I came back, I didn't realize. And they said, yeah, we thought you were testing us. We thought you had like a video camera up somewhere. <laughs> and so we just, you know, the ambassadors just started the class. They got it going. And after a while, they said, they said, maybe he's not testing us. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's actually not really here. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I was at a teacher training, so it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Kip, uh, it looks like you you have a solid foundation uh, or method of building the classroom community. Um, I'm I'm just curious. Do you extend or or how do you extend this community beyond the classroom? How uh how can educators contribute to building a sense of community within, let's say, the entire school, and then perhaps after that, the community outside the school, uh, which can involve both students and staff. Do you do anything that that um can shed light on this you really want to open that <laughs> yeah i do a lot so oh boy okay so yeah i'm gonna give you some more stuff then um yeah so one of my mottos is to make education real um and and so education is just not in capitalized within a classroom and then they walk out and whatever they do so everything that, like, for example, English, English is about communication. I mean, every, 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 every different subject is about something else, but that they need to, to, to apply. So English is about, is about uh, communication. That's what I tell them. You're, you're learning to communicate. You're learning to understand people and you're learning to get what you need through communication. And so let's, you're going to, you're going to, I tell them they're going to learn the skill in the classroom, but then they're going to apply the skill outside of the classroom or yeah. So, <clears throat> so, um, so I, I started searching for some sort of organization or a club or something that they could actually use what they're doing in the classroom outside the classroom. Uh, eventually I found what uh, one, one club called JSA or junior state of America um, which is an organization where students get together and they debate or they or they try or they talk and try to discuss and try to work problems out together. It's a national organization. Um, and so basically, you know, I, I offer that as the as the we go to conventions, we go to conferences, we use JSA inside the class, uh, sorry, inside the school and make changes in the school. We host, like, for example, we hosted um, school-wide debates where what we call homerooms or, or, or advisories where they would debate each other and eventually go to the big stage and, and compete in front of all the, in front of the whole school. Um, and so basically it's all about trying to have them apply what they're doing to, uh, 
in the classroom, outside the classroom. We also, uh, you know, have like last year we were, um, we were national champions for, uh, we won, what was it? What's it called? The, um, civic impact award. Uh, so we, we won national champions for civic impact award, even though we're only 600 something students at, at my school. And basically what were we were, what the students were doing, they were going out they're in internships and we're talking like, we're just talking high school students or they're in internships. They were uh, out, um, making changes in the community. They're, they're making changes in the classroom. They're making changes in the school, et cetera. Um, and so using, so basically uh, trying to provide as much opportunity as I can for the students to use their, uh, use their voice because I'm, I'm English. Now others would be math or, or science or something like that. And they would try to figure out how can they actually start applying this to their lives now. Um, that, that's, that's one way. Right now, um, my students are, my JSA students, uh, who, by the way, so almost all my students are in JSA. So, so every year I get classes, I'm like, guess what? I got a club you're going to be in and you're in it. You're in it. So this is, you know, as much, how much you do, how much you do in that club or not, you're in my class. Therefore you're in the club. And, um, so right now they're, they're doing, uh, they're, they're, they've been assigned a, a job to, uh, it's called, it's another organization. It's called no place for hate. And they're, uh, basically, they're basically in charge of taking hate out of our day-to-day activities, our day-to-day communication in the whole school. Um, and so they're going to, they're, they're building, you know, they have a, a small team and then the small team is basically going to infiltrate through the whole. So all students are going to be working on this no place for hate thing. And again, that's all about communication. And so we're going to we're going to change the whole environment of the school um, so that we can reduce the, the hate that's out there. Because, hey, this year, lots of hate. So we want to try to make sure we have a nice, safe environment in the school, not just the classroom, but the whole school. And so that's what we're going to do. But that's, that's one thing we we've done. I've done multiple things. I could tell you multiple things, but I don't want to like, I don't want to flood you with too much. Oh, that's, that, that's amazing. But, yeah. That, that, those are great examples. Um, So basically you use uh, organizations and you bring them into the school to help the kids uh, with a lot of uh, authentic learning. Yeah. Yes. I think that's authentic learning. Really exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Justin? The student leadership too, right? Like that just getting kids to be leaders in the classroom is one thing, but then getting them to be leaders school-wide is is a whole nother thing. And and that's what I hear he, he's doing and I've seen him do, right? Is cultivate students to be leaders to not only change and have an impact within their classroom, but to have an impact within their entire school community and within their their local community. Um, I am curious one thing, Kip, because especially for listeners who are like, oh, I would love to run, you know, a JSA type club or I, you know, I do something really cool in my classroom and I would love to span that outside of my classroom. So I'm curious when you brought these types of programs and when you wanted to get your kids working outside the classroom and having that larger community impact, how did you approach your leadership, your principals 
and sort of, you know, how did you make that happen? Like, what did, what, what did you need to present to a principal to get them to like buy into you doing something much bigger? And, and that would have changes like where your students are actually like making changes to your school community. So how did you get principals to buy into that and, and like, let, like, let you run with it? Yeah. So this is like really important. And I kind of, you know, some people like to do different approaches, but my approach is very simple. My approach is anything that possibly might be controversial, get permission from the principal first. Simple, you know, and, and it just, if you just got to like a little thing might be, you know, get permission from the principal, you know, go to the top, go to the top person, the top authority in the school and get permission from them first. Um, and then everything else. And then it's just like, I have permission, you know, it's, it's simple. And, um, and, you know, have a conversation with them. Don't, don't look at them as, don't look at them as some sort of person that's out to get you. Maybe they're, you know, understanding that principals go through, you know, er, you know, er, everyone blames the principal for anything, any problems at the school, right? Parents will blame the principal. Teachers will blame the principals. Students will bring the principles. I mean, it's a, it's a hard, hard position to be in and understanding that that is a hard, hard position to be in. And so try not to be on an animosity, uh, you know, try not to like, you know, think that, you know, the principal is the, the problem for everything and just understand the principal is a human being and you're having to go through all sorts of pressure and everything else. And so, so just go to them and, and say, this is what I would like to do. Um, and this is for the kids. Um, and if they say, well, and then be open, be open. Like if they're not, if they're like, well, I'm, I'm not so sure about something and then, okay, then let's work it out. Let's figure out how we can make it manageable at the class, but just make sure that you have the principal support before you do anything, especially anything that possibly might be controversial. Like for example, it should, you know, this no place for hate thing that my students are are going to launch pretty soon where every single student in the school is going to start out by drawing what they, if, if they imagined our school to have no hate, what would that look like? Every student's going to make a drawing and it's going to go up all over the school. And, you know, you don't, you just don't launch that without making sure the principal really is cool and wants to do this, you know? And then you, you know, you go to the teachers and make sure the teachers are willing to do this, you know? And so you don't just like push things on uh, or, or just, you don't do, okay, here, here's, 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 here's a common phrase. A common phrase is, you know, do it. And, it, and if, and if, uh, and do something and if it doesn't work uh, or, and, and if you get blowback, just say, sorry, no, no, I, I get permission first. And then I do it. I don't just do something. And then if it steps on people's toes and just say, sorry, later, you know what I mean? So I know it's a popular saying to do, do it. And then you can always just say, sorry. No, I don't do that. I don't know if that helps, but always get permission. And, and once again, I'm just going to say it again. If you feel like it possibly might be controversial, get permission from the, let the, let the, let the principal know and get their permission. And then you get to go, you get to run with it. Thank you. Ghazali, any final thoughts for you before as we uh, move into our wrap up here? 
Okay, um, I've learned a lot uh, from Kip. Um, I'm glad you brought him in today. <laughs> and it's been a very good learning uh, session for me. Uh, and he has brought in a lot of interesting things. I'll definitely be looking at this uh, decentralized classroom concept. Yeah, so uh, it's been uh, amazing meeting you, Kip. Um, Dustin, your summary of today's session? Yeah, Kip, do you have any any uh, final thoughts or any final words of advice before we close up? Yeah, I'm just going to take it all the way back to the beginning. All the way back to the beginning because, you know, whatever your approach is, whatever you're going to bring in, that's great. But the very first thing is, what does your classroom look like? Is it inviting? And number two is, what energy are you bringing into the classroom every single day? And during the day, how are you maintaining your energy? I mean, just think about it, right? If I walk into the classroom, I just want, want you to just picture this, right? I walk into the classroom. There's a do now on the board. I greet them at the door. They they go to their seats. They're fairly, you know, they're fairly quiet, okay? If they're not quiet, then I talk to their facilitators and they quiet them down. And I go in the back and I take role while they're doing their activity. And then students come up and they start the class and the facilitators take over. And I'm just basically in the back room just I'm not sitting because I have a standing desk, but I, I'm just like waiting for somebody to, that needs me, you know, they don't even need me. And I, I'm just saying with all that, how do you think I can maintain my energy? I can maintain a lot of energy, positive energy, because I'm there to support them. I'm not there to discipline them. They don't need it because they're basically disciplining each other. They're redirecting each other's behavior and supporting each other. And so that's actually, I kind of, I, that kind of goes all the way back to one thing it goes back to when I was very first time I was teaching in a high school on the Laguna Acoma uh, reservation, in New Mexico. And um, I, and they, and, and they had us go through a professional development. It was on Harry Wong. I don't know if anyone remembers Harry Wong. It was on Harry Wong and something really stuck with me on Harry Wong. Harry Wong said this, he said, he said, what do you see at the end of the day? You see the students like bouncing out of the classrooms and you see the teachers like dragging themselves out of the classroom. They're exhausted. He said, it needs to be the opposite because who's doing all the work in the classroom if they're dragging themselves? The teacher is when the students are supposed to be doing all the work, right? And mm -hmm. so what needs to happen is the students, when they leave the classroom, leave the school, they need to be dragging themselves out of the classroom and the teachers need to be bouncing out of the classroom. Mm -hmm. And basically that's, it's all about, once again, energy first, students need your energy. They need to know they can trust you. They need to know that you are, and you can manage yourself so that you can help them manage themselves. And, and so they need to, they need you, they need you there. So really just kind of going all the way back to the, the very beginning. And the very beginning is your energy and the energy of the classroom. Everything else. Oh, that's awesome. I, yeah, yeah, I haven't bounced uh, for two decades, so I need to start <laughs> bouncing again bounce. out of the classroom. Yeah, exactly. Bouncing. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Kip. Thank you so, so much for being here today and just bringing all the wisdom that you bring. Um, so we talked about the importance of positive culture and the ways to build that culture as Kip just kind of summarized, right? Really making sure that we start with safety, security, and a welcoming environment. 
um, making sure that our energy is positive and, and letting that bleed into the students. We talked about establishing positive classroom culture um, with some strategies to create that inclusive culture. Um, and Kip talked a lot about that decentralized classroom and really empowering our students to be the ambassadors, the leaders, the facilitators of the classroom. We talked about how we connect with students on a personal level and really making sure that we understand our students, that we're kind with our students, that we show care and respect and love to our students. Um, and then we talked about how we can extend that beyond the classroom through student leadership and really students taking charge, not only in the classroom, but within the school community and then when you can, even taking that beyond the school community to do something larger. Um, so really appreciate everything that you shared with us today, Kip. It was really, really wonderful. Um, everybody, thank you so much for being here and listening. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast. Please share it with all of your educator friends. We really, really want to continue offering support through our podcast and other means to educators all around the world. And we want to reach as many educators as we can. So please, please continue to subscribe and share this podcast with others. Our next episode will come out on February 12th. And in that one, we are going to take a nice deep dive into how we can use AI as teachers and within our classroom with students. So we're finally going to get to that deep dive into the AI content. So it's been a pleasure, Ghazali. It's always great to be with you. Kip, thank you so, so much for being with us. Final words? Oh my God, AI? Oh, I can't wait to listen to this one. It's pretty scary. <laughs> my students are actually, they're actually, yeah, my students are, I, I've, I've had way more. I'm like, uh, excuse me, you were supposed to write a poem and you wrote it in iambic pentameter with uh with rhyme and i'm like yeah i think that was probably chat gbt what do you think and they're like <laughs> probably, they're yeah. like what's iambic pentameter i'm like exactly but you did it right awesome well thank you everybody and we will see you we will talk to you in a couple of weeks Bye-bye. All right. So that's it, right? <laughs>